Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Whiskey Raiders podcast. John and I are here. We have a stacked night uh, going into the holidays. It feels like, you know, with uh, Thanksgiving just wrapped up, there's plenty going on. Hopefully you're out of your turkey coma. We've got we've got some big big stuff tonight. Nothing nothing crazy on the whiskey front. We're taking a night off of tasting, uh, mostly because we have a crazy December ahead of us. But that doesn't mean that there is no whiskey to talk about. How are you doing, John? I'm doing great. Crazy December sounds like a really good way to sum it up. Man, do we have some things coming down the line? It's uh, it's going to be fun, exciting. We'll mix it up a little bit. There's going to be I think a couple of surprises here and there, but overall. Uh, moving out of turkey season and into eggnog season, what are you uh, what are you excited about, man? I mean, so it it's always a busy busier, right? Like we try whiskey all year round. We write it up, whiskey raiders. I know you're writing it up over at the Bourbon Finer. You know, you and I work on stuff all year round. But the end of the year, uh, even though everyone tries to blow it off, is effectively, at least in my opinion, is the busiest time of the year over at Raiders Central. So we're working on basically all the best whiskeys of the year is the big start. I don't know about you. Yeah, whiskey of the year is really, it's tough because like you said, we go through the entire year of tasting whiskey, checking things out, you know, trying to dive as deep as we can into as many areas of the whiskey world as we can. And ultimately, it doesn't really matter if you can't sort of sum it up, right? And like at the end of the year, say these are the things that impressed me a ton. And even maybe say sometimes these are the things that I kind of wasn't that wild about. So really trying to boil it all down is a little bit more work than than it may seem at face value. But it's something that I do think is pretty fun to do at the end of the year, especially, you know, that I love to compare stuff. So as I kind of go through things that I've liked over the entire season, it's good to sort of highlight some of the real, real beauties, if you will. 
I like to think of it as like the true rock stars and then what I call the top of the flops. And like you mentioned, you know, at the end of the year, what's the point of drinking whiskey all year round if you don't remember any of it, right? Or if you don't, right. you know, kind of remember what the best stuff is. And I know that everyone is all about making their best of lists. Some people do it by category. Some people do it by ranking. We do both, but we try hundreds of whiskey a year. And at the end of the year, people are like, oh, it's the best thing you had. It, it's sometimes it takes a remarkable amount of work to go back and remember like, oh man, there's 50 great whiskeys, 50 right. terrible whiskeys. Uh, they kind of stack up, but that's really the fun. Cause at the end of the year, I look back and go, man, like the world of whiskey changed dramatically this year, just based on what we tasted. And I can't think of a single year that that hasn't actually been the case. Like the world of whiskey is not slowing down. No, it's not static at all. And another thing about that, you brought up a question that I both love and hate was when somebody says like, what's your favorite whiskey or what's the best bourbon you've had lately? And I'm always kind of crippled by the question because it's like, well, shit, like, do you mean like in the last 48 hours or do you mean like in the last 48 months? Because those are drastically different half the time. And it's not because one that I loved a year ago is no longer good. It's just that we try so many whiskeys. We get to see so many different things that are great that it's not always the same. And like I always say on my grading scale on the bourbonfinder.com, like a B plus for this doesn't mean that a B plus for another whiskey is equal or different or better or worse. It's just like, I, I really try to think of it as like a grade school or well, maybe not grade school, but like a think of it in terms of your high school career, you might get a B plus in science, right? And maybe right. that's amazing for you. And I might get a B plus in trigonometry and be like, holy fuck, I can't believe I get away with that. You know, like a B plus isn't necessarily always the same exact thing is kind of where I'm at with it. I try not to be incredibly clinical about my scoring. It's just like, I've tried this thing a few times before I give it a grade. I either really like it, I think it's okay, or it's just kind of not there for me. And it's going to land a grade that way and sort of shaping those up is like kind of the fun part for me. So when someone's like, well, which one's your favorite? I'm like, ah, I mean, bourbon's kind of my favorite in general. Like, <laughs> it's really tough to sort of break it down and say like, which one is the best? So it's like, also, if I say, well, hey, this product here is the best one that's in my market and you live eight states right. away, you might Any never see that. Yeah, you might say, well, that's not even on the shelf here. What am I supposed to do? Like, I, I don't know, I guess go to like, the scotch finder and ask him what the fuck he likes. I, I can't help you sometimes. It's an interesting dilemma because, you know, that's usually what people lead with. They're like, oh, you drink whiskey and it's your job. Like, what's the best whiskey you've ever had? And I have to say, you know, it's this. Like, the best one I've ever had so far is an old Clinalish from Scotchmont Whiskey Society. But then I have to follow it up with, but do you want to hear about the ones you can actually buy? And it's right. not because it's like gargantuanly expensive, but I had it five years ago and the market is totally different and you can't like you can go and buy it at auction but that doesn't help anyone so I, I think there is a lot of value in these year-end wrap-ups because like we sum the world of whiskey as it was this year and yeah. usually the things we drink like there are limited things there are single barrel things but like barrel vantage is here to stay we know that'll be around next year like True. a lot of that kind of stuff it helps put it, it, it it's kind of fun to help look back and capture a snapshot of the whiskey industry every single year and be like oh our top pick of you know last year was seagrass which thank god is still around but someday maybe seagrass will get phased out and we'll be like remember the seagrass days like oh, when we went shit. insane for seagrass <laughs> man uh 
I don't even want to think about a future where seagrass is phased out. If, if I'm totally honest with you, man, that's, that kind of cuts me deep. Right. I mean, what like crazy good whiskey, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at with the year. And I think it's a great way to snapshot the year. It is a great way to kind of look over everything we've done, tasted, remember the good, the bad. And like, you know, years ago, Starlight was terrible. Uh, Green River Distilling was called OZ Tyler, and they were making stuff with like reactor garbage and sawdust. And now those two oh. distilleries are totally different. So for me, sure. it's a fun way to reflect in small doses. I have a terrible memory. So like summing it up year by year is a good way to not forget cool stuff. But ah, it's a lot of work. It makes for a busy, busy December because I could do this all year round and like you know, be proactive, but it's always December. It's like tax season. I'm going through every review of the whole year, every December. Oh man. Yeah. That's the damn truth. And it's always easy. I I feel like I do this a couple of times a year where I start thinking like, all right, I should probably on the back end of my website, create my own private category of nominated for whiskey of the year. So that way as I go through the year, I could be like, okay, this one is going to be in the running, but then it ends up being like still, I would probably end up with a dozen per category. Right. Like that doesn't actually save me any work because I still have to go back through those same whiskeys that stood up to me and say, oh yeah, did I like this one better than that one? Do I have any of this one left that I can even sip it now and try to compare it to that one and see which one moves the needle more? Like, no, half the time I don't because when they're really good, they tend to uh, dry up for lack of a better term. So <laughs> it's a it's a fun grind, but it is still a grind. So. In other topics here, well, should we tackle maybe a little of the more recent news? There's not a ton of stuff popping off right now. Things have finally started slowing down. Release season is just about done. Our friends at Barrel keep cranking out new stuff, though, because they're just savages and they can't stop releasing limited editions. But aside from six days since their last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah they went almost a week between limited edition drops. So they had <laughs> they had to make sure they got one out. Yeah, well, I mean, speaking, you know, kind of as we sum the year in whole, one of the things that I like to sit back and think about are like, what was the trend of the whiskey industry? And you and I speak every January too. We're like, this is kind of where, where I think it's going to go. We're not big on predictions or like, you know, these are my five hot takes for the year. But two years ago, rightly, we called it. We're like, the industry is moving towards blends. And now we see like barrel bourbon batches are popping off. Uh, that bullet blender select was a huge success oh, man, last year. So one one of the trends that we see, you know, kind of coming into the whiskey industry is frankly a disgusting, and I mean this in a good way, like a disgusting amount of money coming in. And I'm not talking about the Sazeracs or the Buffalo Traces. We know that there are billions at play with those guys. They're private companies. They are making money hand over fist and reinvesting it as fast as they can. But in the news lately, it has been like private brands, like small not projects like these are these are official brands that are doing things but they are taking on tons of capital with really and i tweeted it earlier today like blue run is on what i would consider just like a ferocious trajectory so like you know first off uh pursuit united which is based behind pursuit you know series pursuit spirits i forget how they title that but that is uh you know kenny coleman and ryan cecil uh, who are behind Bourbon Pursuit. Obviously, they just took on $8 million of private funding. Like, that is huge. And five years ago, we yeah. would have freaked out. Like, $8 million. And and on the other side of that, you know, just today was announced that Blue Run has partnered with Truist, who's basically a private capital firm, to help them essentially aggressively buy inventory. So I think it's 
an interesting trend that we're seeing. These small guys are just gobbling up as much capital as is available because like that is the future of bourbon. Like the, the, the outlook is that rosy. So I'm curious what you think, because I saw $8 million pursuit and was blown away. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Being friends with these guys, I mean, Ryan and Kenny, they're both awesome dudes. And I think what they've done so far, you mentioned that uh, that much money five years ago would have blown your mind. I feel like to those guys, this much money a year ago would have blown their mind. And I know the amount of grind time and work that Kenny puts in behind the scenes is just absolutely astronomical to try to get everything they can, like, like probably I would think shaking out the couch cushions at this point to get every single cent they can <laughs> invested into what they're doing. And at first I was pretty scared for them, honestly, when they kicked off. I mean, they were doing their pursuit series, uh, you know, single barrel stuff for a number of years. And those, that was a really cool, I, I would think that we could classify that as more of a project thing. Like it was their brand and it was Agreed. official and real and good, but it was not them producing their own, product the way that they are now and fast forward to like the most recent releases of their bourbon and rye like they have me totally sold i think especially the rye that they have been cooking up is just outstanding stuff it's very very impressive very tasty whiskey i think that alone makes me excited to see what they're going to do with more in the bank what is that going to be able to do for them? Whether it's just opening doors into more markets and getting those bottles into more shelves, or if that is going to be expanding their available stock for blending and creating what they're doing. And I mean, who knows? As silly as I feel saying this now on them actually opening a true distillery, does five years from now, does what they're doing now translate into that being a total reality? where like, like you said, the ferocious growth rate is something to behold. And what is going on in the whiskey world, but in the bourbon world in particular, so crazy. It's just, I think something that could really take shape and I'm very excited about it. Yeah. I have to say as excited as, <laughs> as I am for these folks, it, and it is exciting. I am white knuckling this entire ride as a spectator. And you know, this is not at all the same. Like I've seen insane growth in the whiskey community, whether it's the growth of Raiders as a site or the growth of the private barrel program that I run, you know, going from nine barrels to like 120 and stuff. And like, it is insane to me that that is such small potatoes. Like these guys were going from like, hey, we might raise a million dollars next year to we secured $8 million of funding today. <laughs> Boom. And that's exciting. Like, this is cool. I'm really curious. A lot of people really bemoaned the Wilderness Trail distillery acquisition we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And we're like, oh, like too much money and too much business is getting into bourbon. And I'm curious what those people think of like small brands bootstrapping their success, essentially. And I hope that they hold on. But it, it's such an interesting time because money 
it's not just flowing in from the big corporations. It's now flowing in from the little guys. And I don't want to paint Blue Run, who had a similar announcement this week, as like a little guy. Like they just announced a $50 million distillery. That is definitely an order of magnitude greater than Pursuit. But like there is just money coming in everywhere. And I, I think it's good. I mean, the industry has been so hamstrung on supply for so long that I'm curious that in five years, if everyone who got a distillery was like, oh, this was a good choice. Or if, the you know, I, I, I'd i be shocked at this point if, you know, if Pursuit opened a distillery and anyone was surprised because I wouldn't be. At this point, I wasn't even surprised when Blue Run opened a distillery. Or, well, right. they haven't opened it. They said they're going to open it. But, you know, that's $50 million. It's pretty much open. It'll be there soon. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of brands that are falling into the same category. Uh, I think we already spoke about Luca Mariano and some of the others that are just, oh yeah, all of a sudden, like, oh hey, by the way, you might not have heard of us, but this is what we're doing with this much money, and usually it's kind of a holy shit number, right? And that I think that's cool. Like I, I say this all the time on my site, where I feel like these are the good old days of whiskey, and we can look at that in more than one way. Of course, there's plenty of folks who would say like. Oh, man, I, m- I miss the days where I could go into the store and buy this almost any day of the week. Or I miss the days when this was available for a good price. And-, and I'm with you. I hear you on those. I miss some of those days too. It was cool to be able to go in and buy three cases of XYZ product that we can no longer even find three bottles of. 100% with you. However, like we don't get more of those products on the shelf without the supply increasing. And the supply doesn't increase unless there's a sustained demand that is so high through the roof that prices can raise. Distilleries can bring up this much more money. They can start pushing out more product. They can expand. So like the tit for tat kind of conversation is always like, well, without this one, do we have that one? And so without this high demand that is driving brands to secure more capital to whether it's expand their warehousing or their distillation or whatever it is, or to move from being a single barrel brand into launching off your own brand of making multiple batches a year. These things don't always happen or really, I feel like they just don't happen unless you have an enthusiastic community of buyers, which I mean, thankfully we've got in the bourbon world right now and we have got it in droves. For sure. I think um, I'm not a Gary V guy by any stretch. So hopefully no one thinks that I am, but I, he has a quote where you don't need a million fans you need a thousand loyal fans. And if you have a thousand loyal fans, and I think that these brands are starting to show that you don't need on day one to sell in every single market, e-commerce, direct to consumer, overseas. And Pursuit's clearly been that. Like if you have a dedicated fan base and you're responsible and stay up late and mind your spreadsheets, you can make it happen because the bourbon world is at this point, like it's fueled obviously by corn and by whiskey and, and by money. Um, but the passion of the people buying your product can do so much more than just be a sales number. And I think that that's why, I mean, there's got to be a few people on the pursuit team, but it's still ultimately like two guys like Blue Run is a company. They have reps on coasts, you know, Bardstown Bourbon Company who's exploding. They are a corporation that's now owned by like private capital. You know, at every scale, though, these guys all have really dedicated, fervent, passionate, like driven consumers and I think that that's going to be the future of the whiskey brand. Like, you know, everyone loves Buffalo Trace and Wild Turkey and blah, blah, blah. But outside of a couple dedicated personalities, like they are not defined by their community. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it for sure. I think um, I want to move topics a little bit. I know that's a little bit abrupt, but I have something in my mind that I don't want to lose 
um, you know, or my mind. But um, <laughs> you had mentioned earlier about the breaking down over the year of how we kind of go through all of these things. And it's something that always kind of comes up in my mind anyway. But I do get asked this pretty frequently. Actually, I was asked this more than once in the last week alone. When you start getting into holiday season like we are now, are you going to pull a bottle out of the bunker to use as a gift? Or are you going to the store to pick one up? Or like, what's your gifting method? And I guess kind of like, I don't want to do like the full, like, what are the best holiday bottles yet? Because I feel like that's something that we, we, we've had that in the works for a little while. And I don't want to tease it too hard. But I also want to touch on it like a little bit, like, let's talk about your holiday technique, for lack of a better term, for whiskey. Sure. This, I mean, this goes right into kind of what we were just talking about. You know, like, even at the beginning of the episode, we were saying, like, I procrastinate on making the best of list every year until it's like the middle of December and it's too late and I got to get it done. I do not procrastinate, and this makes no sense whatsoever. I do not procrastinate on my holiday whiskey buying. Like, I do that okay. shit in July. Um, oh, damn. Like last year, there was a huge sale on Buffalo Trace half bottles, and they were like $12. I remember you telling me about, yeah, okay, I remember this. Everyone got Buffalo Trace for Christmas. Um, the year before good. that, there was a pair of brandy that was cool. Um, I, I like spending the year thinking of the holidays, be like, okay, like this is what I'm passionate about this year. This is cool. It's a great bargain. It's good whiskey. This is what the people get. I always forget to get myself something because I like to buy something for the holidays. And so usually like Christmas Eve, I end up just like rifling through my bunker, like just a madman, like, like what yeah. did I buy that's special? That's not open. Like what, like what's for me? Um, but yeah, so that's to say that my holiday strategy is just totally Swiss cheese. There's some good ideas. Cool. There's a lot of, empty space there's a couple uh -huh. other good ideas but uh yeah I, I like to buy something i think people will like and then i forget about myself and i buy something that i forgot and i squirreled away back in early in the year that i think is cool and so it's a total hodgepodge okay uh, i kind of do nearly the opposite in that i participate in a christmas club at my work whereby you set aside x amount of dollars a week out of your check goes into an account and then in late October you get a check cut to you from your own effectively savings account hmm. but it's just like an easy way that I don't have to think about and I like to treat that as my Christmas bonus even though it's my money it's not actually a bonus I take this and I will do usually a bottle or two of something cool for myself that is kind of like my set aside money for whiskey and like also like christmas gifting and all the other like standard stuff that people do with things like this but i will usually dip into that to get myself something cool i think i spoke to you about what i grabbed this year i'm really excited about that bottle of brandy but um so like i kind of like squared away what i'm going to have for that christmas bottle because for me christmas is like not just the day it's a whole season I like i like I like to dig in pretty deep to Christmas. Mr. Mistletoe, yeah. Yeah, that's me. I'm uh, Mr. December. And uh, I really kind of get excited about the whole season. Like I have my Christmas menu. My Christmas dinner menu is nearly done. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm like kind of all in on that front. But like when it comes to what I'm going to gift for bottles, 
is a little bit more like I sort of let it, and I would like to think that I'm letting it happen organically, but really what's happening is every time somebody <laughs> sends me the message or shoots me a text or asks me in person, like, Hey, uh, so my uncle likes this type of whiskey. These are the ones I know he likes. What should I get him for Christmas? Or my grandfather really, he's always trying this and can't find it right now. What should I get him? Like I sort of use this like crowdsource method of concocting a, oh geez, you know, this would be a good idea for your family. That'd be a good idea for your family. Oh, now that it comes down to what am I going to give for people? I've got like, I've sort of sharpened the pencil a little bit on what I want to narrow it down to. And then who knows, some years, maybe I luck into a bunch of bottles at WB Saffle and sort of like your uh, Buffalo Trace thing. It's like everybody gets Saffle this year. Um, by the way, my Saffle collection took a beating two years ago, but whatever, like sometimes that's just what goes on and everybody has a good holiday or birthday and it's, everybody's better for it. I think my favorite part of that is that you just said you had a Saffle collection. Like I most did. people have one or two. <laughs> I did. I, I don't currently, but I did. Yes. Well, it was went, a good year then. I went through a lot of Saffle. Yeah. Over the years here. Yeah. I think long story short, it really... You know, it kind of comes down whether I see a good deal, whether I see something I'm passionate about, whether like when seagrass came out, I knew a couple people were getting seagrass just because I knew that A, they wouldn't go buy it for themselves and B, I love giving a good gift. Like I love it when the person's like, oh man, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, yeah, it is like, yeah, um, it's a personal victory for me. I'll admit it. Yeah, I, I could take that. That's good. Yeah, but overall, I mean, we, we've teased it well enough. We have full holiday gift guides in the work. John and I take the holiday season pretty seriously. I'm not one of those people. Well, my wife is one of those people, and so I have to help her because the tree is taller than she is. But like right. this weekend, we will be decorating for Christmas. I'll be trying to hide. Um, she'll be decorating away. It's fun. We love it. I love the Christmas season. It, it's just like a, it kind of is the... And I'll end on this note. This is like the peak of what whiskey is to me, which is like a huge community thing where everyone gets together and has a good time and like enjoys their company and discussion. And if whiskey's part of that, I think it's really cool. It's like super hippy dippy to say, but you know, all year round, I like seeing people enjoy good whiskey. And then at Christmas time, I like giving good whiskey. And then if you're at a Christmas party and you give good whiskey, there's probably also good whiskey to drink. And that's a good place to be. That's a great way to look at this. One of the reasons that gifting good whiskey is a great idea is because when you are visiting, you tend to drink great whiskey. So I think, geez, I don't know if I could top that for like a philosophic <laughs> holiday cheermeister, but I think we are in a good place moving forward for the rest of this, uh, for the remainder of the year, really. As we sort of uh, whittle down the last few days of 2022, I'm excited about where things are going. I don't know as we're going to have any more crazy releases come out. I kind of hope we don't like, I do and don't. Obviously, I want more cool things always. But at the same time, it's like, ah, do I want to try to like dovetail any more things into the, like, I say dovetail kind of tongue in cheek here because Gold Label <laughs> Dovetail just released in like the last few days. And uh, like as if we didn't have enough things to try to rate, review, and put into the final pieces of the year. But anyway, I digress a bit. I think that we are in a good space moving forward. I'm really excited about the remainder of the year and releasing our holiday gift guides, our you know whiskeys of the year among various categories. It's super exciting stuff. 
it is the thing that whiskey nerds like us don't necessarily live for, but like kind of secretly also live for. I agree with you. I definitely live for this. And and that's a great way to close it. I mean, so the holidays are here. We have a fat stack of content for the end of the year. John and I are on a mad dash to kind of complete. Like you can't see the desk behind me because you're listening in your car um, or wherever you're listening to audio. But there is whiskey out the wazoo and I'm excited about quite a bit of it. So John and I are going to dash to the end of the year get our reviews up. This is where we're working on the best of the year. This is, you know, gets bigger and bigger every year. We've had some whiskeys. If you've caught past episodes, you caught us on Weekly Whiskey where we've been like, this could be the whiskey of the year. And it we've said that more than we've ever said it. True. In a previous year, like it has been a big year for whiskey. So a really, really stacked end of the year coming up. Absolutely. So I guess to close this one out, I just want to remind everybody that uh, we are the Whiskey Raiders podcast. You can find the articles, reviews, and more on the website as well over at whiskeyraiders.com and on my website, thebourbonfinder.com. You can follow us on social media, join us on Discord for more discussions, and support us on Patreon if you want to, patreon.com slash thewhiskeynet. Yeah, this has been awesome, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving last week. We hope you are going into December just as cheery as we are. If you're looking for John, you can find him at the Bourbon Finder on Instagram. As always, guys, I am Take managing editor and spirits critic for whiskeyreaders.com and we will see you in the next episode because boy we are in december and boy does it heat up so thanks guys and we'll catch you in the next one cheers